Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everyone and welcome back to another episode of babe i'm here with a friend who you guys don't know but i know her very well and she knows me very well and we've actually had i think some of our most babe life experiences together so i figured why not have her on the pod you can learn a little bit about our pasts and paths. <laughs> our paths and then hopefully we have a beautiful future ahead of us as well most definitely it's one of my oldest friends jocelyn fee aloha and thank you for having me thank you for being here you're putting on your wellness health and wellness <sighs> light speaker voice <laughs> <laughs> i'm scared but i'm excited have I'm you done a podcast before no i haven't actually i love I've been doing some video production for my school. So like having to do recording and just getting used to the voices that come out of my face Mm -hmm. is a journey. (laughs) It's a real journey for sure. You're in the wellness industry. We have a holistic healing center in Long Beach called Sacred Roots Holistic Healing. Mm -hmm. And that started about six years ago. And I'm a massage therapist and yoga instructor and wellness ambassador. And, um, We also have a school that is launching this year called Panacea Holistic Institute, and it's a vocational school for massage therapy. Love. And we also do like Reiki and um, different continuing it. Do you Reiki? Do I personally? Yeah. I don't touch that stuff. Why? Uh, No, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. No, Jason is a Reiki sensei. Jason is a Reiki master? My husband is Jason, everyone. We're Whoa, I didn't know that Jason was a Reiki master. He's a Reiki master, and he works with crystals and can like attune you and does wow. wizardly things. He One day after we were married, I he brought out a box of wands that he created. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out of what? Sticks? Like, no, out of like, well, sticks with sticks and leather stones. and stones. <laughs> And glue. I'm pretty sure glue. Wait, I think you showed these to me in your garage because you guys moved in and then had like so much stuff in the garage and you were showing me around because you wanted to like redo it and you were like, that's Jason's box of wands. I was so proud of my husband. I I love his box of wands. So Reiki is, um, some call it the universal healing energy, tapping into Mm -hmm. a vibration of the, the healing energy, but I technically don't do it, but I, when I'm doing massage, I have people all the time ask, like, how do your hands get so warm? Or what's that sensation? And I'm like, well, it's just a meditative state. It's not as much. Yeah. You don't have to call it a name. But you have, like, the magic touch. Like, you've always had 
that ability to just like where your touch feels good like some people i feel and i feel like some people have that and some people don't yeah it doesn't matter how much school you go to like i don't feel like i have a magic touch could be an excuse i think you do that but you don't don't necessarily i think i just don't want to touch (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to touch anyone except myself and then maybe a partner or my dog or your dog chief my son Hank, our chief, is is two and a half now. Um, yeah. That's Jocelyn's pug. You might have seen him on my Instagram because he pops up every once in a while when I get to take care of him. Auntie Lara. Yeah. The only dog I've ever loved. She loves him more than I do. Yeah, you hate him. Chief, earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you hate him, though. I, I don't hate very many things. Yeah, I know. You're a very loving person. You have no. It's not H A T E. It's not. It's not hate. It's, I say that flippantly, like I don't obviously think that you hate him. I just get. You I don't dislike have the patience, him. right? After child number one, child number two, there's no patience left. Yeah. So I just. Uh, I he's my teacher, <laughs> chief, the pug. Do you say that because you don't like him and anyone that you don't like or feel visceral negative reactions to is indeed just a teacher? Nemesis equals teacher. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> Enemy. Friend. Who else is a teacher for you? Oh, baby daddy number one was a huge, huge teacher. They tend to be. Um, one day when you threatened to to or no no one day when i threatened to kill you at boarding school i was a teacher <laughs> you taught me <laughs> the depths of rage that resided inside of my soul so. i don't think i ever i don't know <laughs> if you were a teacher for me <laughs> you have to allow it you have to surrender to the lesson yeah you can't. Oh, i love that sensei <laughs> So Jocelyn and I went to therapeutic boarding school together where we were both taught lots of things. We got in trouble for being queen bees. We got in trouble for a variety of things. Like it was, I feel like (laughs) it was, I was in trouble maybe like every six or seven months for something. But then the real, the last time of trouble was the real bad trouble. It was a good trouble. It was so bad. It was good. It was a teachable moment. I still, I told the story again last week to Jason and he was, I just love it. It's so good. So we, okay, so I was sent to, we went to this school called Cascade, the Cascade School in Whitmore, California, which is, if you know about Redding, California, which has been on fire recently, surprise, surprise. That's why I was checking on it because I was like, is it burned down? Yeah, it had it coming. Um, <laughs> teacher. Um, <laughs> Um, it's like 45 miles east of Redding, California, the meth capital of the world. 12 hours north of LA. Yeah, up in the mountains. So you drive east of this shitty town and then you go into some like pretty beautiful farmland. For all the followers in Redding. And then you go up into the mountains and then you get to the end of a mountain road. Oh no, first you pass the town of Whitmore, which has like 2,000 people and it's very like backwoods. Um, 
It's like a desolate Knott's Berry farm. Yeah. And has like one general store and that's it. Then you continue seven miles. And once you get to the end of a mountain road, you reach a boulder that in with gold letters on it says the Cascade School. Across the cattle guard. And it has a cattle guard because there are cows on the campus and the cattle guard. I figured I didn't know this at the time, but the cattle guard, if a cow... It's like a grate that has like big metal lines on it that that are equally spaced apart. But if a cow tries to cross a cattle guard, it will break their legs. Well, I think that they don't cross it because they know if their hoof tries to touch one, their legs will break. But how do they know? How do they avoid it then? I don't know. They just know. They live in cows. cows, (laughs) Cows live in fear. They do. They're always afraid. There was a one cow at Cascade that would stick its tongue out at me regularly. Yeah. there was, When I got in trouble and was put on garden duty for that like six week period, I befriended lots of cows, just feeding them organic materials. So there were many arcs of trouble that we yeah. got in. So, the, uh... yeah. Let's talk with, okay. So when did you move in? I moved in February 11th, 2001. Okay, so I moved in. No, you didn't. 2002. 2002. February 11th, 2002. Okay. I moved in November 5th, 2001. That's called your move-in date. Yeah. It's kind of like your birthday. Yeah. So I recently... So one of my uh, one of the readers got me this like color astrology book off my Amazon wish list. And... I might need a wish list. I know. You do need a wish list. And I look... I said... I. Uh, had like Instagram storied it and then I said like if anyone wants to know their color astrology like DM me and I'll tell you so I got all these DMs and I was sending people but the date that kept on repeating itself over and over was November 5th isn't that weird Mm, that's your true it's a sign emotional birthday Mm -hmm. that's what they called it an emotional growth school yeah it was an emotionally an emotional growth school for troubled teens and sometimes they would frame it. That's what I was reading about last week. It's mm-hmm. That like something it said that it was masking itself. It was pretending to be emotional growth, but it was actually just a behavior modification school. Yeah. It was like kind of, it was like diet prison. <sighs> a little bit. It was more cult than prison, I feel like. It was very culty, but like. I didn't realize this at the time, or we kind of did realize it at the time, because you get sent there, you don't really know what you're in for, and like then you get to this school that's in the middle of nowhere, and you're pretty much stuck there until you turn 18, when at that point you can kind of decide if you want to leave or stay, but really, I mean, if you if your family's like, you can't come home, like you're probably going to have to just like stay there. But so there are levels of these like behavior modification facilities for teenagers in crisis. And we were on like kind of the live, laugh, love level. That's like the law level, the law level where you where no one can like physically restrain you. No one can like there were no locks on any doors. There's no locks on the doors. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No locks on the bathroom doors. (laughs) Um, And uh yeah, like no one can physically restrain you. You're not going to get like it's no one can really get violent with you. It's you not a lockdown facility. It's not a lockdown facility. It's a step before lockdown facility. Yeah. And so a lockdown facility is like the next place where you would go if you like fuck up enough at Cascade and they kick you out, then you usually go to like a wilderness program and then 
move on to a lockdown facility where they do like shoes yeah where it's like no thanks that's like actually diet prison and so we're in like lol zone (laughs) it's basically like retreat i mean basically i'm realizing now that all i'm recreating in my life as this holistic lifestyle Mm -hmm. is just trying to make boarding school at again yeah dreams about it but with less dishes or more there's more dishes now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's more dishes now in my life, too. Because I don't even have a dishwasher. We would have to do dishes silently, wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt tucked in, socks and sports athletic shoes. Mm-hmm. With your hair pulled back. And you weren't allowed to talk. No talking. That was the best part. Because mm-hmm. then it was all psychic communication in the dish room. Yeah. Jocelyn and I were in the same family, which meant that we like got to the school in the same period of time. As graduating each other. class. We're in the same graduating class. We were not in the same grade. Not by age, but not by, by age, arrival but date. Just by arrival date, move in date to your school, to the school. And so we ended up going through like all the workshops. Seven together. workshops throughout the the two years did we go to the tr- we did like we truth- didn't do the truth and youth together because okay. you were in like the one above me because you okay. moved in first you had to do christmas when i showed up laura was like hobbling around with a broken knee or something yeah i had torn my mcl in just a fucking stupid accident like i was literally talking about some person back home that i wanted to punch in the face and was like doing a punch motion and then twisted my whole body around tore my mcl and then had to wear a leg brace from my upper thigh groin down to my ankle like a terminator so then i was like hobbling around that was like within the first month of me moving to that school and then i had that on for like eight to ten weeks how lucky i know so you came there and you were I immediately identified you as competition. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. I was, I had no awareness of this. My first day I moved in, I was playing like four square and my pants ripped. Really? I felt so embarrassed. I was like, I'm going to be the biggest nerd at this school. But you were really like outgoing and like gregarious. And then I wasn't unhappy about being there. That was the problem. Because yeah. I was excited to leave Orange County because I was like, this place is fake. Yeah. This place is disgusting. I'm out of here. Why did you go there? Because I was going to either drive cross country and make music with my friend uh-huh. or I gave my mom this ultimatum or she could pay for me to go to boarding school. So she said, okay, you can go to boarding school, but I get to choose the school. So she tried to choose a school that she thought that I wouldn't choose uh-huh. to like call my bluff. And uh-huh. I was like, sweet, you can't talk to anyone for a year. Great. Adios. Like she was like, you're not going to be able to listen to music that you want to. No makeup. I was like, perfect. Makeup is for fake bullshit. You know, like oh my- I was so angry. So you literally were like, yes, please. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, we're all done. Well, my brother and sister, we all moved out within six months of each other. Moved out of the house. Yeah, it was like once my brother left the house, I was like, "Oh man, we all got to go." Do so you have two older siblings? You got to Cascade when you were what, fifteen, sixteen? It 16. was a month after my sixteenth birthday. Okay, and um, basically just a, a pothead. You yeah, know? I was like an honors student in student government, being Ferris Bueller, and I dropped out and was like, "This is pointless." But also, so you just stopped going to school? No, I would go, but I would go to like the photography lab and like write poetry. And then would you get in trouble for that? Well, because I was in student government, I found ways to not get in trouble. 
So it was like it wasn't the problem was not or was there a problem with like your mom? Were you no, in jeopardy of graduate was, like not graduating? I had over a hundred hours of truancy. Okay, and I was grieving my sister's boyfriend's death. Okay, and so that's really why I was acting out. I think, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I was just like, people die. I'm out of here. Yeah, I've got a life to live. I'm 15. This is fucked up. You were like, life's too short. I'm fucking gonna be writing some poetry in the lab if you need me. Exactly. And then your mom was like, I need you to go to school, and you were like, I need to go cross country or go to boarding school. One and or then- the other. I wanted to go to like Europe or the East Coast or uh, like plaid. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like a kilt or something <laughs> yeah but i didn't uh, instead we wore so you lands knew, in. yeah you knew then what you were getting into like fully she and exactly. said you will not be coming back for a year at least a year at least a year okay and you were like sick i was like perfect because i don't want to be here that's what i'd like and i would like to graduate from high school so if this can expedite that process premium yeah so then when you got there, were you like surprised at anything? I was like, this is real nature. You loved it. I was raised on a stupid golf course. I was like, trees, this is amazing. Like fresh air. I don't have to touch money. I don't have to wear makeup or care about like pop culture. I loved it. Oh my God, you're annoying. I know. And that's why everyone was annoyed by me. Yeah, everyone was. <laughs> Back to how you were annoyed by me when I arrived. <laughs> I'm annoyed by it right now. Even. I'm triggered. Potent annoyance. Because I was sent, I knew that I was going to go away too. Like I had decided with my parents, like I'd re, I'd gotten kicked out of school. I had like a lot of drug problems and got arrested. And my parents and I decided like, I was like, send me to rehab. Like I just really wanted to go to rehab because I thought it was glam. And then also I like just like needed a break and I wanted to go <laughs> away for like a, 30 days and then come back. Something easy breezy, six weeks. Yeah. I was like, let's do this. So. I was like, send me to rehab. And then they were like, we found the school and they'd showed me like the pamphlets for it. And I was just like, who are these losers in the pamphlets, like smiling and sitting on rocks, like holding hands. And the pamphlets made Cascade look like it was a really intense, like academic program. (laughs) And I was scared about that because like, I just didn't like, I liked any sort of school the i liked whatever school things i was interested in but as far as like math and science i was like a hard pass for me like so it looked like it was going to be like really academically intense and so i was worried about that Mm. and then my parents said you'll just have to go here for six months and then after six months we'll reevaluate and you can come home so i was like okay this isn't rehab but believe that yeah that might have been their plan. Yeah. But then, like, maybe the counselors were like, she's doing well, but she has to do the whole thing. I don't know. But, like, it, I kind of was like, okay, this isn't rehab, but it's, like, semi-rehab-y, so... Well, I would go to AA just to get off campus. You would get coffee and candy. Yeah. And AA was the, the shit. I love it. It was great. So, when I got there, I didn't... I'd read their, like, dress code description and, like, was allowed to pack my own bags and stuff. But when I read it, they were like only you're only allowed to wear like levi's 501s and like all white tennis shoes which is now in this day and age very chic like everyone's wearing that kind of outfit but back then in 2001 it was very like i was like what the fuck like that's psychotic like no one would ever make anyone do that hideous so i packed just like all my clothes oh you weren't allowed to wear black yeah so everyone had like dark brown or navy blue yeah so when i got there i didn't 
I also didn't know that you were not allowed to like listen to music. So all of that stuff was like so overwhelming. There were a 100 CDs in the main house that we could listen to that mm-hmm. included Simon and Garfunkel, The Beatles, Fleetwood Mac, and what? The- Donovan. That was my favorite. The Donovan. season of The Witch. Yeah, we had a Donovan CD, which was weird because that's like trippy psychedelic music. The Beatles, like one from the White Album with Happiness is a Warm Gen, which is a song about heroin. But you would have to earn your privilege to be the one to choose Yeah, you could the never. CD. You couldn't choose until you'd been there for like a year and a half. And people were upset when I would do Donovan. But I was so we happy. We had a John Mayer CD. <laughs> we had the very first John Mayer CD. Oh, man. There was definitely some Dave Matthews band. Dave Matthews band got in after we had been there for like a year. We finally got a dave matthews band approved but then it got taken away because remember everyone played it too much and they were like when you enjoyed something too much they were like fuck this you're on bands yeah they would take it away from you including your friends so (laughs) i was so disappointed and upset and depressed when i got there and was like crushingly sad for like the first month i gained like 47 pounds and just was like (laughs) Broke my knee. Which was was normal. Most chicks, when they moved in, gained at least 20 or 30 pounds. Yeah, like I didn't really have... I didn't... I feel like I didn't have a lot of like... I think I had a little bit of body dysmorphic disorder before I moved in. But then the process of getting there and gaining all that weight and having people talk about it and make fun of me for it and then me reacting to that and then counselors being like why do you care and then making fun of then me for being that for, yeah, yeah that gave me a lot i left there with a ton more body and like that's issues. interesting one of my colleagues was just writing to me about treatment-based ptsd she's doing a study on treatment-based ptsd so like when you get the trauma from the treatment center, which I'm sure there's a ton of people from Cascade that we could connect with about that. Oh, yeah, totally. Welcome to postpartum. Your body yeah. gives you cool stuff. <laughs> um, and so when I showed up, I lost 15 to 20 pounds because I couldn't smoke weed anymore. Yeah. So there were no more Lucky Charms for me to eat. All I had was like some plain Cheerios and no weed to smoke. So I was bummed out. You were excited about life. Happy to be there. Very outgoing. I had a scarf that I would wear. and People were upset about the scarf. You had a scarf that you would wear. You like spoke up in classes and like you also didn't you do drama too? I was the... uh the major general in Pirates of Penzance. I regularly play men when I do musical theater. Yeah, I remember I knew that you had like some sort of theater background and then I felt very threatened by that. I am the very model of a model major general. I don't remember any more of it. Yeah. So you came on the scene and I was just like, who is this fucking girl that's just like smiling all the time? She's like California from SoCal. Happy to be here. She's just like bouncing around. You also have, you're missing half of a pinky finger. And I found, I was like, what is this? It's alluring. It's an attractive I was amputation. Like, oh my God. Cause I, I just was like, who is this person that's like confident, bubbly, and then has like part of a pinky missing? And it seems completely unfazed by it. Just like made me furious, I which is ob- like- obviously like just like psychotic ableism on my part. But like, 
I was like, I literally know. I was like, has no one's even seen this? Like, it was really. She's an amputee, people. <laughs> no, so we started the Nub Club, and yeah, I've been meeting the most hilarious amputees with the Nub Club. Because Lola, I have a six-year-old, and Lola now she spots them and she'll be like, "Mom, invite them to the club." And there was a dog with no leg, like last week in the club, and she's like, "Let's go talk to the dog, invite them in the club." <laughs> oh man, the community. So I was just like, very. I was like, "Who is this person?" But then we became friends. I think it was sports that brought us together. Yeah, because part of being at that school, like some of the only ways you could get off campus was if you played sports. So including softball. I played every sport that was available to me. I, I played varsity volleyball, varsity. softball. Yeah, that's like there was only one team, and no, we barely filled up a team. I didn't play volleyball, but I played. You would be so good at that. You're tall. Everyone always says that, and it's just like never resonated with me or my journey. Softball never resonated with me, but I was willing to do whatever I had. to. But volleyball and something else happened at the same time, so I just swim. You did, yeah, swim. I did swim, which also I was terrible at, but it's fine. It snowed there. So we, yeah, we did sports and then we just like, I don't know, we became best friends. We started running in the morning and we were getting over, we were healing with each other because yeah. we lived in Galadriel together, right? Mm-hmm. Galadriel but right. that was towards the end. I think there was two rounds or something. There, there was, were two rounds. But also we started doing running in the morning. We yeah. go running before breakfast mm-hmm. and... Then we had like a group of guys that we hung out with kind of, we had a crew. Yeah. We had a crew of lollers and we got really tight and then we like worked our way up and we were like almost in the student government. I was in this, remember we were doing like community service with Brandon Colbert. Yeah. Shout out Brandon. Brandon. San Francisco. But we went through like, so we didn't do the first two workshops together. No, the sisters is where we came together. Okay, so in the in the school was like for all the readers that are not in the know, the school was divided up into like you'd have to accomplish and complete seven emotional growth workshops before you graduated. So the first one was called the truth, and the second one was called the youth, and then the third one was the sisters. But like the truth was like a very, it was like a light entree into like what your there was a shame circle. I mean, yeah, it wasn't actually that light. It was no. pretty intense. It's like your first time they like turned down the lights and put on Hello Darkness, my old friend. Yeah, they loved like a Simon and Garfunkel song. And then they would be like, How hard did it get? Yeah. So they would put on <laughs> they'd put on a Simon Garfunkel song. They'd make you sit around in a circle that they called a shame circle, and then you would just go around. It would be guys in a circle and girls in a circle, and you would just like one by one say every th- single thing in your life that you're ashamed of. I couldn't come up with very many. I felt you kind of mad. asshole. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Well, they also like. <laughs> I feel like you got punished for being so happy by the this end. congeniality. Was that your youth character? <laughs> no, that was my symposium. <laughs> I was just telling Jason about this. That's why I remembered. Yes, I got punished. Well, no, 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 no. What happened was in 11 months in, my dad committed suicide, so everyone felt bad for me. They're like, oh, her life does kind of suck. Never mind. <laughs> but then they were really hard on you. So like, that's when my Oma, when I threatened to kill Lara, it was like, but like, okay, so let's, like, let's walk it back a okay, little okay, bit. Okay. You had a pretty like 
chill whatever first 11 months we're like working the program or whatever and i i was too like i'd gotten in trouble towards the beginning of my stay like a month in but then after that i really like drank the kool-aid for a long time like for the first like year there were gifts to be had and some change and it was actually like a good i needed to be pulled out of my environment and like like that i truly believe like going to that school saved my life because i was going on i was on a one-way ticket to eventually just like shooting up heroin or being like a fentanyl addict like there was really in the gutter yeah in there the was gutter. one place that i was gonna go and so getting out of that life state was good but then it also had like bad things that brought up later. a lot of all the stuff too yeah but i mean i did my first yoga class there yeah and i was like whoa this is better than weed this is crazy and throwing pottery i mean creative outlets i feel like are even better than traditional therapy because it doesn't have to have such a container mm-hmm. or like have an outcome or be so intellectual. You're just like feeling into your creativity. And that was the kind of, that was a gift I'm taken with, you know? Yeah. But yes, the boarding school, I'm glad that you went and I'm glad that we went. And I think that it was even the connections with all the people that ended up going there. Mm-hmm. I mean, now what was 15 years later, yeah. something like that. And it's just, we are just like tied to people for life because you've seen them like cry about. Well, even some of the counselors like Ro is one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. She was my first yoga teacher there. And then I told her I would stalk her after. And you did. And I did. Oh, you know what happened was I got my, my program for the dialogues, which is supposed to be like the hard, most hardcore program no, of all time. Program. The source program, the most hardcore program ever. So six weeks before my dad died, they said, you're not allowed to talk to anyone. You have to wear athletic clothes every day. You're going to be tabled every day, doing work projects every day. You're too happy. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm trying to, cause I want to, I don't want to like hop around. Cause I don't, I feel like for us, it's like, <clears throat> Yes. readers let me know if you are understanding the like timeline of everything because i feel like for us we like super understand it but for maybe like other listeners we it's, could like, go on for years for years this. but thankfully we have like hopefully so this arc will last so feel free to ask questions and like write in babepodcast at gmail.com if you need anything clarified but like for so i was there up through so the heroes workshop was like a, around like a year you've been there for like a year and you do this workshop that's kind of like the midway point of the whole program it's number four number four out of seven and it is all fashioned around les mis the musical oh, that was so, i didn't remember which one it was it should be called les mis yeah, and so the whole workshop was based on Les Mis. I still am unclear why, but they would play all the music from Les Mis and then have older students dress up as characters from Les Mis and, like, act out scenes or just, like, stand in the corner dressed like French, like, homeless huddled, people. Huddled in the, on the staircase. Yeah, and so this workshop was all about coming up with, like, a negative statement about yourself and, like, identifying your negative s- statement. This was really hard. And then they would just leave you with that. They'd be like, great, cool. Anyways, see you next time. And you would just sit with this negative statement. Like they wouldn't, and all the other workshops, they'd like tear you down and then build you back up. And you'd at least leave there with like a sense of hope. And this one, I remember there was no sense of hope. It was just like, you'd walk away being like, well, I'm unlovable because my dad left when I was little. 
No and one cares about me. Our heroes was, I think, in November. And so it was like the long winter, like, oh, you're going to go and be in your negative statement through Christmas and New Year's mm-hmm. and all that time. And all spring until like... No, the source. Yeah. It was like until like February March. or March. Yeah. yeah. And so I, over that period of time, got incredibly depressed and like withdrew and that was like the first time in my life that i really was like i need to be on antidepressants like i remember people being like you're like not getting out of bed anymore and you're like not talking to anyone and like i was just like dead to the world so that's when i first like got on antidepressants but that's also when i was like the school fucking sucks like dr fisher was your only hope yeah and i just really real i just really realized i was like oh this is actually kind of like what they're doing here is fucked up. Uh, yeah, you are stuck there. Yeah. This is what helped me was the ability to have lucid dreams. Oh, yeah. And you taught me how to do that. That made it so much more fun because at night you go to sleep and then I'd be like, my friends are going to be behind this garage. And then like the garage would open up and they'd be like, what up? Yeah. <laughs> we got really into like lucid dreaming. You got really good at it. And then you taught me how to do it. And I did it. I see. And then when my dad died, it went away and it didn't come back until Lola was born. Is that insane? Wait, really? Yes. When my dad died, I stopped having the capacity to like be conscious in my dreams until my daughter was my first daughter was born. That's so crazy. Like she brought back this like spark of life or something. Because I feel like we were living in. We were living in the same dorm when the lucid dreaming stuff was happening. I think you were in the left wing and I was in the right wing. Yeah, that sounds right. And that was the one thing about the school was that it was co-ed, but during most of the, I think around like six months in, they just did all school bans. No girls were allowed to talk to boys and no boys were allowed to talk to girls. Yeah, they did school-wide opposite sex bans, which as you can imagine went over. What's a ban, Laura? A ban is when you are not allowed to do something anymore. You're not allowed to acknowledge it, um, talk, talk about it. it, talk with it. You can be on bands with anything. So, like, you could be on bands with, like, Jocelyn and I could be put on bands with each other where it's like we're not allowed to talk or look at each other. And if, if we, we do, if you get caught looking at each other, you'll get in trouble. Like, you'll get dishes or like a work project or something like Manual that. Manual labor. Manual labor. Or you can be put on bands with, like, the library. Like, if they think you're spending too much time in the library, you can That's get put on bands. That's make with out that. with people. Yeah. Or you can get put on band. You can get put on book bands where you're, like, not allowed to read because you'd spend too much time reading. Isolating. Yeah, you're isolating. Um, or with your friends who are negative. People yeah. Who are negative. Yeah. And or if they think, if staff thinks that you're spending too much time with a member of the opposite sex you would get put on bands with them so if you ended up having a crush on a guy or like liking a guy you'd have to be really careful about how much time you spent together because if anyone gets anyone that's like in charge of the school gets the feeling that you guys could be like flirty you'll get put on bands and then it's so hard to hang out i'm just thinking about zach tally right now (laughs) Were you on bands with him? Um, Did you have a romantic relationship with him? I don't know if it was romantic. You guys had like a thing we had, going we on. We were doing theater together. Oh, classic. He was played my son. And I was really <laughs> into that. 
<laughs> in what? In Pirates of Penzance. When I was why wasn't of- I in Pirates of Penzance? <laughs> it was too silly for me. In, were- I was in Coda. I was doing like you were doing like art or something else. Yeah, I was just doing something else. I was out of a. Th- I was in a different phase of Fletch. artistry. Yeah. Um. So um, lots of cool things you could be on bands with. So lots of opportunities for clandestine behavior, which is my favorite thing. Yeah, that was my favorite part about boarding school. But probably. like, so the, the six months in, they did full school opposite sex bands. So if you wanted to talk to a guy, even if it was just a friend, you would have to get both of your counselors to agree to let you speak to each other and then you would set an appointment for 30 minutes and then you could talk to each other in full view of all the counselors for 30 minutes. No touching. No touching. You couldn't even get permission to like, I guess in your last few months you'd have permission to kiss. Some people got that. Some people, so you could get, um, what was it? Like dating privileges or something. There's no Rachel and David Tobin. Yeah, the, like, like if things. you were on good behavior and you had like a significant other and the staff had like vetted you both and decided that you were worthy, you would get like relationship privileges. So for your last six months, you would get to spend time alone together, not under the watch of anyone. Like, I guess, take walks and like make out. But that seems also like crazy. I talked to someone about like, what was the, the parameter of that relationship? Yeah, because I would have just like gone on a walk to the woods to go like fool around. That's and I'm what sure I did. so many of yeah. them did. But I didn't have permission. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I feel like when your dad passed away, like... It was right before that source workshop. So that's what comes after the heroes. And right before the source workshop, they put you on this thing. They put all students are about to go into that workshop on a program called the source program where they basically like have full like, okay to like humiliate you in whatever way they see. The teardown method. Yeah. So what were your source program? My source program was, as I was saying, was, um, I had to wear my hair in braids every day. My hair was too beautiful. I had to do that too. I had pigtails pig every day. Braids pig every tail day. braids. I had to wake up early and do chores and I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody at all. And I wasn't, and I had to do just like journaling and max time all slots. That's, that means you have dish duty every night until the dishes are done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, just isolated. I was tabled. I was isolated. Lots of like sanding tables and. Yeah. What was your source program? Mine was I had to wear pigtail braids every day, which is so disgusting. Who's your you counselor? Jason. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me a Russian sentence, cocktail law. Um, he da- we had a very like. I'd say inappropriate relationship. Borderline. Yeah, really <laughs> tow it. Nothing ever happened, but it was always really towing the line between like appropriate and inappropriate. And then his wife is younger than you now. Yeah. So braids every day. I would have to run everywhere, run or skip everywhere I went on campus, which is another weird. That's just a Jason thing. Yeah. And then I had to eat. I think either alone or in the boys section every day. Yeah, it was like some you had to eat alone, stuff. and and then there was all sorts of like he. Was, my counselor at that time was really like 
into fitness and stuff and he would make fun of me a lot for like eating sour cream <laughs> like he'd comment like he'd get behind me in food lines what and was comment his credentials no offense I no no Jason. one had any credentials. Have any credentials no no one had credentials no staff that was at that school aside from teachers who had like had teaching degrees like the staff and the counselors they were not like necessarily trained therapists no they weren't like social workers no they were like truly just people that lived around there and needed a job yeah and that were like well work with like fucking teenagers or whatever well they a lot of most of the people were very compassionate that worked there yeah they were nice and like chill some were awful some were i think did you were you there for Dwayne that one counselor yes this other this counselor named Dwayne got fired like in the first six months that we were there for having inappropriate like he was like inappropriately touching teenage girls. He would have these really close, intimate relationships with older girls in the program that were like 17, 18 years old. But it came out that he was like grabbing their asses or like just horrible. like yeah, horrible. So he got fired and then no one like no one said or did anything about it. He was just gone one day. I just remember that Herb, I think, Herb, Herb. Herb. Yeah. He became much more hands-off after that happened, like, because he was a genuinely loving guy, and yeah. he was really, like, nice and everything, and I was just, like, having a flashback of him just being, like, He looked like Dwayne, too. They I They were know. both, like, bald, and, uh, and Dwayne was, like, actually a creep. He was my move-in person's best, he, he was her, like, go-to like my the girl that moved me in who when you got there you'd get moved in by a student that was older than you and she was like this is Dwayne and then he was like he and I were pretty tight I mean nothing weird or bad ever happened between him and I but like probably if he had stayed there longer who fucking knows I think that we dodged a bullet we dodged some bullets but not all because I definitely left there with like a a different set of problems i know that no matter what when you're 16 and 17 you're just collecting baggage it doesn't matter where you are yeah so i feel like i mean the cult environment is going to just be a whole different slew of issues but i do know that whatever i was doing at home was definitely also destructive disfun- dysfunctional destructive yeah so we're getting like we were put on these weird programs to get ready for this workshop and your dad committed suicide and then you went away for like 10 days to go deal with it and like be around your and they family didn't even tell me yeah they didn't tell me like uh why i was going home they just sent me home yeah i remember you being like i feel like i talked to you you were like i have to go home i like don't know what happened or like no one knows what happened and yes. then you were just gone and then we found out what had happened and like we couldn't none of us were allowed to talk to you you're not allowed to like call I couldn't see any of my best friends you couldn't see any of your friends that you'd been around for like the last 11 months and then you went home for like 10 days and came back with like and the workshop was like the next day or something <laughs> like going straight into like the most hardcore like a workshop that's all about like your childhood and like all the shit and i remember like you in this workshop and me just i was like freaked out because i was like i cannot imagine like what you're going through mm. in this situation and then also like just i and correct me if i'm wrong but like from my perspective i feel like you came back and 
all the counselors were so hard on you. Like, I remember them, like, really, like, laying into you during that workshop and then, like, afterwards. And, like, it was just, like, let's shit on Jocelyn now. And I couldn't comprehend, like, why they were acting like that. people were testing me and all that they proved is that I will rise again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She will, people. And that she is me. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, like, fucking nuts. I I think that well, and, but then it was uh, it was what it was. I don't. I, I think that they really were actually hard on me after I got in trouble. Well, it was. It they, was like two months or three months after. They, yeah, they amped it up after that for sure. But I just remember like. I just remember. Apparently, I blocked it out because it was too traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, I think that you did because I truly was just like, oh my god, like I can't believe they're saying some of the shit to her that they're saying to her. About like my dad and stuff like that. About yeah, your dad and like your relationship with him and like just it's like, uh, like hello, can you this handle like this with a little three bit weeks of ago. Grace? Yeah, like it was just insane. I couldn't believe that a you came back after all that. Well, they gave me the chance to stay home, and I chose to go back because I knew that if I were to stay home, I would get into major trouble. Yeah, and. I liked Cascade. Mm-hmm. That was the confusing. I was like, I like being out of society. Yeah. I had chosen to stay there too past my 18th birthday. Like when I was eight months in, my dad said that I could come home and that I could go back to um, not the school I got kicked out of, but the other school that I had gone to. And like, I would have been going back for my senior year of high school. And I just thought I can't imagine anything worse. Like, I know how, and I was friends with all these kids that had gone back, like, after being away at, like, rehab or stuff like that, and I just, like, know how they're perceived and treated, and, like, I just, like, didn't, and I truly was just, like, I have no desire to be around anyone drama from home or like be back in this situation like I and all my friends are here now, like, this is my family, so I'm gonna stay here. And then that, that like positive vibe lasted like three to four more months. And then I fell into my deep depression. And then I realized like Cascade was a school of lies. So can we just confirm that Cascade was created or the concepts used at Cascade were created by a gentleman who in the fifties started one of the most violent cults that ever came to be? Is that? Yeah. So the like, there was this cult in like the, it was like the fifties and sixties in Southern California based out of, I think Santa Monica called Synanon. And it was for like, I think specifically for like drug addicts or people that struggled with drug and alcoholism for drug and alcohol, which was because Al or Al-Anon and Al and AA, they were like too specific. Mm-hmm. So they wanted it to be like a melded thing. And their whole, like, philosophy of treating people in this group, Synanon, was confrontational therapy. So, like, they would sit in a big circle and if and choose one person and they'd scream at them and berate them and just, indict like, them. indict them and basically verbally abuse them until they broke down and then they would, like, build them back up, which is, like, basically, like, what, like cults do and like what isis does like anywhere that's like trying to like indoctrinate people into their like methodology it's like that's like pretty classic yeah behaves and so 
that Synanon group, eventually, like, people that went there started a group of schools called CDU, which were emotional growth boarding schools for, like, troubled teens or just troubled young people and young adults. And those schools started in, like, Utah, like, kind of, like, West Coast, like, areas. And then and they used the kind of same methods and like tweaked them to fit their school's programs. And then people that went to CDU broke off and started the Cascade School, which also then tweaked those teachings and methods and it made was like them the fifth or sixth generation. Yeah. And so that's the school that we went to that was all you can trace all of that kind of stuff back to this cult, Synanon, which was in the news when. It, it's no longer a thing, but back in the day they had gotten in trouble or like people had gotten arrested because like someone, they had put like a live rattlesnake in a person's mailbox that was trying, to, that was either a lawyer that was trying to sue them or a past member, but oh, th- this person got, yeah, they attacked like this person that was like dissenting against Synanon by putting a rattlesnake in his mailbox that turned into like a whole court battle, like whatever. So, yeah. So it's not a full cult. It's not a full cult, but definitely has like the vibe. Culture. Yeah. Like it's very, <laughs> it's not not a cult. I mean, we have to explain all the terminology. That means it's a cult, right? Yeah. And then also like if you tried to like rebel or if you like weren't buying into the program or refusing certain elements, you would get like heavily fucked with. Like you, it was the kind of place where you either fall in line or you like peace, like find a way to just peacefully remain neutral. But like that's really hard to do. Like if you're not in line, you're basically out of line and you're going to get fucked with. I picked up goose shit in the snow for 12 hours a day for like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I would always sing, take me down to a paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty (laughs) and just pick up poop after poop. Sometimes I would just put the plastic bag over my body and fall asleep out there. Love. They didn't always check on you. No, they never checked. We got in trouble. So I guess we'll just fast forward to the moment where we got in trouble. I had earned privileges to get a um, a community college class. So I went down to town. Yeah. And I went to You class. and our other friend Cameron had Cameron these Schwann privileges. Cameron also a goddess. Yeah. And I applied for these privileges but was not granted them because I had been in a – I'd been in like a relationship of sorts with this boy at school – and they and not permitted relationship a not permitted relationship and i'd never gotten caught for anything but i was suspected of having snuck out with him or like um which was true i did sneak out with him but like no one could ever prove it but when he left the school or got like kicked out the staff found condoms in some of his shoes and then they were like oh he's using those with lara and then he wasn't like we never had sex but major bummer yeah and they they were like well we're withholding all these privileges because we know that something happened and so i didn't get because you were dirty because i was dirty which is what they called it when you had (laughs) broken rules and were hiding so whenever you would whenever you would 
like do something that was out of agreement because they didn't have rules they had agreements if you did if you acted in a way that was out of agreement you were supposed to cop out for it and you would do that by writing a cop out list and your cop out list would have to include everything that you've done that was out of agreement and anything you know about anyone else in the school you're encouraged to like rat everyone out so (laughs) so and when you were out of agreement or you're holding on to like whatever your transgressions are they called that being dirty so they were like you're dirty you can't go down this is insane when i'm saying it out loud community college class you can't take the community college flower arranging class (laughs) that you wanted to take and i was like what the actual 19 years old i was like i'm 19 (laughs) and i've chosen to stay here i've literally never done anything bad off campus i'm a trustworthy person like let me go take the fucking flower arrangement class and they were like no and i was just like fine fuck you and then that's when i started to like truly not care about but you were school. a dorm head i was a dorm head and cameron schwanitz was the proctor yeah of- and we all lived in the same dorm together so we were running ship over there and um and so you and cameron got privileges to go down to town once a week for your community college courses what I, did you take at community I took, college um archaeology <laughs> love yeah it was like did you learn anything? Well, I only went to one class. <laughs> I would they take you out of it as soon as no, like No, no, no. So I went to one class. I assessed the scene. Uh-huh. So class number 2, I planned to ditch. Okay. Cuz what my, did Cameron take? She was we were taking the same class together. Okay, love. So we planned to take we were like, okay, this time we'll just leave and go to the gas station after they drop us off. And yeah. So I went to the gas station and I was kind of like scoping out people and i was like that person definitely smokes pot so wait they would just the medical drivers which they called all the drivers of the school medical drivers i don't know why yeah they would drive minivans and take you to like your doctor appointments or what or just like if you got approved to do community college classes they'd take you to those but then so the medical drivers would just drop you off and then leave. leave or go like in the parking lot somewhere else i don't know i made sure he wasn't around yeah and then i like walked in my boarding school clothes to the gas station and like did you and cameron walk together well i had i had this is also something that i have been working on but i had stolen some money from my mom so that i could buy something you know and this is like Like my last home visit visit. so this is like calculated like months in advance you know you planned this out (laughs) you're a bad girl I just do a few bad things, but I'm really a good girl at heart, which everyone will see in a and second. I'm, I'm like a pretty goody yeah. too. Like I talk a big game, but in reality, I'm a goody goody. Goody good good, and um, that's why we love you. Yeah. Um. And so <clears throat> I was yeah I was scoping the people out. I noticed some people that looked harmless, but definitely potheads. And I went up to them and I said, "Hey, I'm at this boarding school." are you guys free to help me get some alcohol and weed? I have some money and I just, you know, have no, I don't have a phone or anything, but if you want to take me and my friend Cameron to the store, I can give you 40 bucks. You can get us some handles. And, um, and so they got their cell phones out and I like, hopped in the car with the Redding people. Oh my God. It gives me like crazy anxiety. That's the that dodging you, of the bullet right there. When I was telling the went- story last week, like I just chose the person like I knew you don't have a phone. You have no, like no way. You have $40 to your name. No ID. Nope. No ID, no phone, $40. And you're going in Reading, which is like literally known for meth heads. Like that is meth heads and like homeless people. And you picked out randoms. I made sure that they were meaty 
weed looking people yeah but yeah, maybe even worse we don't know but we, don't we survived know. they but were so happy i smoked two, a bowl so i was really trying like a, how old were you 17 17 two 17 year old girls are like hey will you take us to like buy alcohol and weed and then got in a car what kind of car did they have they had like a toyota cam they had like a toyota camry that was like a 95 you okay. know it wasn't like so you all was it guys two guys oh my god yes and so i mean that's that's just using this is feminine true, power. I know, but it's also truly one of it's a dumb thing to the do. The dumbest thing. It's the dumbest. Lola, never one of to the this. dumbest things you could maybe possibly in my do whole life. as a young woman. I've done other dumb things. Yeah, but we all have. But I'm and like I, this is a non. I'm not judging. I'm no, just no, like no. I. This is the first time I've actually heard this part of the story, so yes. I'm fully traumatized. Uh, you should be. And now I'm a mother of two daughters. <laughs> I am waiting for my they can never that yeah. will be coming my way in their in their uh, teenage years. But either way. <laughs> They were very kind. They provided what we asked for. I smoked the bowl, so I was paranoid on the drive back up to Cascade. You smoked and then went... I smoked in the car with them. How did was... you get rid of the smell? I just... We were at the gas station. I don't know. We just used some gum and... Oh, my fucking <clears throat> God. The, the the scary part was going back up the mountain road with handles of liquor in my backpack. You had bought a handle of vodka and a handle of tequila. Was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that that was... was what it was. And we... And you bought weed. Yes. Yeah. But you didn't tell me about the weed. You, no. You never told me about the weed. You only told me. So wait, okay. So you come <laughs> back up to school. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So you come back to school with them in your backpack? In like, my backpack. And we're going down these mountain roads and it's like, glug, 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 glug. Yeah. And I'm like, the because of the weed, I'm like, oh you're my like, God, oh my it's God. so loud. Yeah. The medical driver can hear the glugging. You're like, turn up the radio. Yeah. I was like, that's my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. So then we, yeah, we get in. Cameron Schwanitz is a proctor. She has her own room, which is the, the proctor's the only person with their own room. And we A went, room that locks, by the way. And Cameron and I went into the room and we got some camera film capsules out and took shots. And how do we involve you even? So you took shot. You went, okay, I remember. Oh, I took a couple shots and I was like, Laura's cool you took, enough. You took <laughs> two shots of vodka and then you got ballsy. So you came down to the main house because oh, yeah, it was like the community two- college class would end at like 8 p.m. And then the drive back took like 45 minutes. So you'd be back in time for last light, which was a meeting that they we had school-wide meeting at 9 p.m. in the main lodge where everyone would like gather and maybe someone would read poetry or play a song. And like we'd all be like, night, night. And then we'd go to the dorms. And so you came hopping into last light. And it might have even been after it was over, but you came and you were like rolling around on the floor. You were drunk. And I was like, and you were laughing. And you, I was like, you're drunk right now, aren't you? And you were like, smell my breath and like breathed in my face and you reeked of vodka. And I was like, get the fuck out. Like, what do you, where is this? And like, what do you have it? And I want in. And yeah like, and you were like it's toothpaste and then kept blowing it in my face and i was like fuck off like i know that that's alcohol and you were like we have two handles <laughs> and like told me 
And I was like, face lit up so bright. I was so excited. Never been so excited. Cause for me, well, we'd been spending that whole summer, like cheeking our meds and like snorting Benadryl. That's true. We were really trying to find something. We were chasing the dragon in all the wrong ways. (laughs) Just like trying to get fucked up, but like not achieving. Never snort Benadryl. Never snort Benadryl. We also like snorted a Wellbutrin. That didn't go well. I think I snorted like Remeron, my like sleeping medication. That just made me tired. Like and then someone got tobacco and was <laughs> Oh yeah, we stole tobacco out of one of the like uh one of the like campus it, who was it? It was Debbie Bosworth. It was Lance Bosworth. Uh, one of the kitchen ladies who really took a liking to me later, da- like down the line, had this son that was like total, just like arrested development, like single troll of a man. And he like lived alone and his job was just to like patrol campus and like fix light bulbs or something. But I found, I was doing a phone call in his office one day and found this like chewing tobacco and I was like oh my god so I stole it and then I brought it to you and Cameron I was like look what I have like we have the chewing tobacco let's try it and we tried it but then we looked closer at the can and it didn't even have nicotine in it and we were like Lance is a fucking loser of course he wouldn't have I know we were like fucking God, Lance yeah. and like I just remember spitting out like as soon as I realized I was like this is pointless and just like spit out all this chewing tobacco in the toilet and then like returned to dumb can of non-nicotine tobacco. So we were like actively spent an entire summer just like trying to get fucked up and it was not happening. So when you came I in... I had to pull through for the team. Yeah, you came in drunk and I was It was just my like, hero complex that made me do this, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so excited. And then... We made a plan for like the next night. Or, like, like we put everybody to bed because we were in charge but of all we the didn't people. do it that night. Oh, I have no I, yeah, I don't remember. I was drunk. I think we made a plan for like in a few nights. We made a plan that was like, okay, on this night, like we're all like after Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone goes to sleep. We're just going to get shit-faced in Cameron's proctor dorm so (laughs) i think it was like a couple nights later we like everyone went to bed and then we just started like shot after shot shot after shot of like we got camera film rolls and washed them out and those were our shot glasses little like film canisters and I don't know. We took like seven or eight shots or something of just like vodka, tequila, just like going back and forth. We got wasted. Wasted. I at one point was like, we should all make out, like trying to like get into some lesbian shit. Which happened normally at the boarding school. (laughs) But I'm always like trying to pull that card. Somebody, anybody. From a young age. Um, And we did not make out. And then, I don't know, at like two or three in the morning, we just like all were like, okay, and then passed out. And and you and I were hung over the next day, or I was hung over. Did the next you go day. sick to bed that day? No, 
we had French class together mm. and we were hung over in French class. And remember Jeff Moore, our Jeff friend. Moore, one of the best French teachers in the history yeah, of time, the best French teacher. And also one of the best teachers at the school. Or he humans. was like kind of on, like, I remember him giving us a look that was like, what are these? Oh, what he are knew exactly doing? what was up. He was like, these chicks like smell drunk. I yeah. guarantee. I don't because think he copped out on us though. I don't think it no, was he would never teachers were cool there for the most part. So, and I remember we would have, oh my God, I we, we would have tea time every day from like 10 to 10.30 and it was in the morning. Snickerdoodles. Was and it, it was, was always Thursdays. served, they always served sweets at tea time and you were only allowed to take one, but sometimes, I mean, we would have like tea time bandits and stuff and like we'd find- And they'd like shame chicks too. into getting their cookies because they're like, you're fat now because you moved here. Give me your cookies. Yeah, guys would like ho- stand like hawks <laughs> around all the tea time. And they'd be like, yo, you don't want to eat those cookies. Like give them to me. Trust, you don't want them. And then uh, all the girls would be like, fine. And that day at tea time, they had ice cream. And I remember I like scammed like three ice creams. I was like, I'm so hungover. Like I need the ice cream. And then we went to French class and I was like, Jeff knows. And then that we were like planning on getting fucked up again. We're clear. I'm fine with it. But as we can hear, I'm already starting to break down. I'm paranoid. (laughs) So we were planning to get fucked up again, like that weekend or like the next week. And over that weekend, they no. had started doing dorm checks because they knew about girls sneaking out. And I had snuck out that summer, but had not gotten I caught. Cameron Schwanitz. She snuck out. So then here's what happened. They did a dorm sweep on like, it was Saturday night or something. And at 2 a.m., they came into the dorms to do dorm checks. And they, I was woken up by Kim and this who's a counselor at the school like on the weekend she came in at two in the morning she kind of gently shook me awake and she's like hey do you know where cameron is and i was like no i don't i don't know what like where is she she's in her dorm room or whatever and she was like no she's not in there like i just did a head count and she's not there like her door's locked and there's a sign on the door and i was like okay so i got up and I knew, like, Cameron had a boyfriend, and, like, they were hooking up, like, every once in a while. I knew, like, she had snuck out to, like, go. But, like, I just knew that that's what had happened. So we go look at her dorm. She was like, I'm tired. Like, please leave me alone or something like that on the door. Like, please be very quiet. But she like, was not in her room. So I, I'm so like, naturally, you and I as the dorm heads. Yeah, I'm to, like, uh, we should really, we should get Jocelyn in on this. <laughs> and so we, like, you wake up. And then you and I are like, I'm fully, like, we're about to get fucked because cameron has clearly snuck out i know that she has booze with her like she's probably out anxiety attack yeah i was like cameron's out getting drunk and like fucking her boyfriend like if she comes back and gets caught chances are we're gonna get caught or implicated in this whole thing because like we run together like hardcore and have been like doing crazy shit. yeah we've been doing crazy <laughs> shit like all summer so jocelyn and i are like we kind of sidebar and we're like, what do we do? And we're like, we'll just stay up and like, we'll wait for her. Like, we'll stay this up. This is unbelievable. I hope she's okay. Yeah. And so I was like, we just act like we don't know anything. So we're like, okay, Kim, like, I don't know where she is, but we'll stay up and like, we'll just wait with you. Cause I'm sure there's like a misunderstanding or like, I don't know, but we should definitely like all be there for whenever she comes back. Like, we'll just stay up. It's no big deal. Like we're up already. We'll take care of it. Kim. Yeah. So we, all three of us are just like up. And then in the process, like, 
we didn't handle this very well because all the girls in each of our wings woke up too and then piled into the common area and we're waiting for Cameron to get back. Where are you? And we're just like, everyone stay calm. Like my wing of the dorm had pretty much disintegrated into just like terrible behavior. Like I told all these girls, it was like when you're a dorm head, you're in charge of like eight or nine girls that live in your wing. Doing their chores. You're supposed to make sure they like do their chores, keep their areas clean. Keep themselves clean. And keep themselves clean. Like don't get into trouble. And all the girls in my wing were like, I walked, I told them, I was like, look, as long as you guys keep your shit clean, I do not care what you do in here. Just like, don't let me know about it and keep your stuff clean. They were like, sure. And then they never kept anything clean. It was the messiest dorm wing. They were like out of control. And I was like, I don't know. I can't control them. They do whatever they want. Someone like cutting on themselves. Yeah. There was a, I walked in one day and this young girl, Genevieve, was crushing up. She had a huge mortar and pestle. I forgot about her. And she was crushing up a bottle of Vicodin that she'd like snuck onto campus. And in I was her like, vagina. It, and I was like, I don't see this. I don't know anything. I was like, anyway, like, just, uh, and like turned around and walked away. Like it was just like, it was bedlam in that wing. So everyone had woken up and they were like, Cameron's fucked like <laughs> like staying up waiting for her to Twiddling get back. thumbs who's gonna be the next proctor she shows up at like 4 30 or like 5 a.m like 4 a.m or something her face is like blue basically because she's so drunk and like stoned and like kind of wobbling and she just smiled like she didn't even care she was she just was like one of she's the most a fucking badass. legend she was a legend no one refused the program as well as cameron schwanitz yeah i mean that's a whole different tale it's a whole different tale but this time cameron just came in and like kind of took stock of everyone there fully processed what was going on and just started laughing and then kim the counselor was like okay you need to go we're gonna go down to like the main house like you need to cop out and jocelyn and i are like we'll go too we'll just get to make sure and so i'm just like fuck 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 like what's gonna happen like is cameron gonna like rat like crack and like rat us out like i'm full like shaking in my boots and then we go down to the house kim puts a piece of paper in front of cameron is like you know what you have to do and cameron instead of writing anything just starts doodling and she writes cop out list on the top and starts decorating it with like flowers she's and like an amazing little, she's a really good artist so she was like <laughs> doing her art instead of like copping out and then she just she like kind of care. started to pass out and <laughs> she was so drunk and then it was clear like she wasn't giving up any of the goods and then jocelyn you were like you were like, how about you tell me, I'll ask you what you did, Cameron, and you can say yes or no, and I'll write it down on your list for you. How does that sound? I don't remember this. Yes. Tell it me was the story. genius. Okay. So you were like, you're like, Cameron's not copying out. So like, I'll ask her questions and then i'll write down what she says on the so cop the out staff list. allowed me to yes. question cameron yes so we all were sitting there at the table and i was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and then you were like did you sneak out of gladriel, gladriel tonight and then she's like mm-hmm. and so you like really like i snuck out of gladriel she's like you're like did you drink alcohol and then she's like mm-hmm. and so you wrote that down and you basically walked her through like 
what she was allowed to cop out for. Everything she was allowed to cop out for. And she also took credit for the alcohol. You were like, did you go? Because we knew she was the fall guy. Yeah. And she was chill with it, I guess. I don't know. I was like, anyone can fall. Like, I Past life mafia stuff. I don't know no, why like, I know this works so well. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, I truly was like sweating. And you were just like, did you sneak out of your community college class and get people to buy you alcohol and then sneak it back up to campus? <laughs> by yourself and she's like mm-hmm. and you like wrote that down so basically cameron copped for everything and then the next day was gone peace out she's gone legend. out of the school fucking legend but like just gone she worked her way to the top after refusing she had moved her history as a student at that school was she had moved in refused the program for like weeks just sat around like reading and like drawing and making her art and not not agreeing to do anything and then finally was like fine i'll do it and then worked her way up the program to the point where she became proctor she passed us up in the process yeah passed 10 minutes of caring yeah and then fully burned it all to the ground took the fall and got kicked out legend which is what she was going for anyway yeah she was like i truly don't give a fuck i've never given a fuck about this school she was like i don't care but i she remember did like matt yeah she did like matt they liked each other they were cute they were so cameron was gone the next day and then it was a couple was it like a week or two weeks how then, long was the, the simmering there was a simmering period after the simmering that period is took its toll on me psychologically <laughs> A twitch started to develop in the eyeball. I started to fully melt down, I'd say. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like, I truly was on edge. I thought, because Cameron and Jocelyn and I, you have to understand, were so tight over that period of time that, like, there, like, anyone who had, like, anyone would think and be in the right place to think that like anything she was doing we anything were doing. she was doing we were either doing or definitely aware of and but like, cameron was such a questionable character like no one really knew her i don't know how she pulled it off to where no one really knew what she was all about or anything but she like got to the top it was like masterful so i was just like it's truly a matter of time before like our fucking number is called for this i was convinced my plan was working well yeah jocelyn was cool as a cucumber i was fully like melting down anytime anyone like would even at be like hey lara can i talk to you i was just like it's fucking over like uh. <gasps> and i went to jocelyn and i was like you and i like can't be seen talking to each other like we can never be seen like in, in public like having any sort of conversation yeah, like maybe that's why i got so upset maybe i was like you're breaking up with me about this no it wasn't it can't the upset came later so i was like <laughs> you and i can't be seen like we have to just like keep it chill like don't talk to me in front of anyone and like we're like we just have to keep our distance from each other for now and then i told our friend amina oh. i got this is what I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So I was really stressed. And our friend Amina that we were in the dorms with, she was like, what's going on? And so Amina and I, like, we sat on, like, the back porch of the dorm one afternoon. And I told her everything. And she was like, oh, she was like, you and Jocelyn can't be seen together. Like, blah, blah, blah. So then I told you we can't be seen together. Then Amina, even though I swore her to secrecy, told her little sister in the program, Tiffany. And then 
Tiffany ratted. Was Amina your little sister or my no. little sister? No, Amina was in our grade. You're thinking of Jasmina. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, Amina yeah. was in our family. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then her, like, little sister in the program, Tiffany, fucking started blabbing to everyone and then brought it up in a forum, like, to you, I think, in a forum. Was like, like, I just don't understand how if this and this, if this person and this person, then how could it not be like this? I think you're full of shit. That's what people would say in the indictments. Yeah. You're full of shit. And they would point at you and yell at you that you're full of shit. Yeah. And I was just like, listen, just because you're upset about your own life doesn't mean you need to tell me I'm full of shit. Yeah. So... I mean, or, so Tiffany confronted Jocelyn in a forum and that day I had gone sick to bed because I truly was so stressed. I just like couldn't take it anymore. And I went sick to bed that day and like laid in the dorms and listened to like chronic 2001 on a CD player that someone had like on a walk also out of agreement. Yeah. That someone had snuck onto campus, but like everyone we would share it in our wing it was like get passed around girl to girl. So I just like listened all day and was like, Oh my God, like, how are we going to get out of this? Like, what's going to happen? I'm so scared. And like, I'm laying in bed. It's like probably like 5 p.m. And our friend Hallie runs into the wing and she's like, she's like, put this away, hide this, like, to the Walkman. She's like, Kim is coming here to like basically make you cop out. Like, Tiffany just confronted Jocelyn in a forum and said that she knows that like you guys were all drinking together and like cheeking meds, blah, blah, blah. And Kim is on her way here right now to like talk to you. And I was just like, fuck. So Kim, <laughs> still, I'm still harboring feeling. <laughs> so, I had done so well on the form. I forgot about the forum, and you just reminded me about it. So yeah, go on, please. What happened with Kim? So this counselor that I had a good rapport with comes in, and she's like, "Hey, can we go on a walk?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And so it was like dinner time. I think she was your first girlfriend. <laughs> We just had a close relationship. <laughs> you guys really like each other. Yeah. So she's like, let's go on a walk. And I was like, okay. So she takes me outside and like sits me on a bench and everyone else is like at dinner. But when you're sick in bed, you're like not allowed to go to dinner. And so we're sitting on this bench and she's like, look, I know that you had something to do with like the Cameron thing. Like, I don't know what happened, but I know that you're involved in it. And like, I know here's you. what. Yeah, I know you and I know that you don't want to be dirty right now. And like, she's like, I know that like, whatever you did, we'll get through it. And if you just, if you just come clean and say it, tell the truth, I'll make sure that this is all handled in like a discreet way. Like mistakes happen. Like she gave me examples of like students in the past, like Bianca, this girl that was there when we had first gotten there. She's like, she made a mistake on one of her home visits and got drunk. And like we handled that and she still got to graduate. So like it doesn't have to be a death sentence. It's called manipulation. She was manipulating. Yeah. So she basically like, and I was like, nothing happened, nothing happened. I don't know what you're talking about, like, blah, blah, blah. And then she basically manipulated me and convinced me that if I just was honest, we'd figure <laughs> it out. And so I was like, I was like, okay, look, I will be honest with you. But first, I need to call my parents because I want to be the one to, like, tell them what's going on. because And, like, I want to tell them 
personally because for my relationship with them, I want them to know that I'm going to be honest and like straightforward, blah, blah, blah. Because I was going to be going home in six months and like I wanted to create like an honest, open relationship mm-hmm. with my parents and I wanted them to trust me. So I call. Meanwhile, everyone else is in the dining hall and like ha- like someone came up to you during dinner in the dining hall and was like, Lara's copping out right now. And, like, you could see me through the window sitting with Kim. All I knew is someone came up to me and said, Laura's copping out right now over there. <laughs> in, in, Eric Bragg's, in Eric Bragg's office. Yeah. Laura's copping out right now. So, and I have never run that fast in my life down the hill. <laughs> down the hill. Sprinting. So Kim had taken me to this other counselor, Eric's office, to, like, call my parents. And I was on the phone with my mom, like, crying. And I was like, Mom, I fucked up. I got drunk and I did this thing and like a book and like was crying and she's like it's okay like it's not like parent like really the not whole jig was the parents like didn't care it wasn't that big of a deal and I was like I'm so sorry like, the school was working at that point if you would have been sad about being drunk before you went to the school your parents would have been stoked yeah so so all of a sudden out of nowhere it's like <laughs> Jocelyn runs up to the office door and starts banging on it with both fists, like as, and her face had contorted into rage I have never seen again. And nor have I ever felt no. rage quite like that. She's banging on the door, being like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm gonna fucking kill you. How could you rat? How the fuck could you rat, Shane Oz? And I was like, I'm sorry. You're dead to me. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, You're fucking dead. You're dead. And I was like, and my mom was like, are you okay? Oh, what's happening? And I was like, Jocelyn's threatening me. And she was like, are you safe? Are you safe? And I was like, I don't know. And like crying. And Jocelyn's like screaming. And then I'm like outside like, spinning in circles like a tornado. Yeah. You just like scream at me, threaten my life, and then like run away as fast as you can. <laughs> no, it's all over. And I was like, I don't know what happened. And then... Then I don't know where I went. Someone called the head of the school and they were like, okay, pack up all of Lara's belongings and like put them in a storage bins and like only leave her enough clothes for like work projects. Like we don't know if she's going to get kicked out. We don't know what's happening. We had three or four months before we were about to graduate. Yeah, we're supposed to graduate in like three months. And and so I get walked up to the dorm. I don't know what was going on with you at this time. I'm completely... Actually, I blacked it out. I'm pretty sure the rage took over and I was blacked out. I don't know. And so they took me to the dorms and they were like, pack up all your stuff. And so I'm slowly packing up with like Kim, a counselor, and then this other girl in our grade, Chelsea, who was like way... She was like everyone's favorite, like followed all the rules and was like so thin and pretty and funny and everyone loved her. And I, of (laughs) course, hated her. And so she's sitting there like watching me like get in all this trouble. And I was like, could things get any worse? And then they did get worse because Kim found my journal and opened it Mm. and looked through my journal in front of me and saw a cop out list that I had written on our like trek camping experience, like where we did like a solo camp for like three days, three days in the, in the wilderness. Yeah. And so before that I had like done some, I had done some out of agreement things, but like when we were on this like solo journey in the woods, I had like written all of them down because I'm, I have like the guiltiest con. I can't be clean. Yeah. I cannot like, I'm, I just can't hold like, 
horrible secrets like that. Like I just get so guilty and freaked out. So you on the prescribe, but I also them. didn't want to like, I didn't, I'm not trying to like get in trouble. So I use this camping experience as a chance to just cop out to myself and the universe free and clear and free and clear. And then I didn't feel any guilt after that. Cause I was like, it's off my chest. It's off my shoulders. Like I feel com- confident, comfortable and fine to move forward. You've done right. So then she sees that, getting drunk is not the only thing I've done in like the last six and seven months. And that there's a lot more that no one knows about. So then it turned into, we're oh, taking yeah, because your I dark. had done that San Francisco trip. I think that yeah. was in there. Oh, and I had copped out. I'd written an extensive one that was like myself and everyone. Cause I needed everything off my plate. And then she took it and she was like, well, I'm taking this. And now, like, I don't know if I can save you. Like, it truly is a TBD for you here. But we'll figure out more when, like, the owners of the school come back on Monday. So then I basically was told that if I wanted to stay at school and graduate, I would have to redo the cop-out list and name names of everyone and everything that I knew and that's the only way I would be able to graduate. They puppeted you. And that's the only way I'd be able to graduate high school. And otherwise I'd be kicked out. And then I I caved and I ratted out Everything. everyone. And I would personally go up to people and I would say, I mean, I tried to do right by people. Like, obviously I was a rat. But I <laughs> would go up to anyone You're that was on no the list. lucky no one had shanks in our non-prison. I know. <laughs> And I would go up to them and be like, okay, I just want you to know, like, I was forced to do this. I had no choice. And like, this is what I said about you. So if you, if anyone comes for you, like, just say this, because that's all I said. And just to give them the heads up that they didn't have to like, Tell them everything. About yeah. Themselves. So I tried my How best. How nice like, of you. I know. That's what I should have known. I should have seen that you're the kindest rat. I am a kind rat. <laughs> a sweet, sweet, loving rat. I would never have done it, but I was 19 and a half and I needed to graduate from high school. <laughs> it's a lot, you know, they weren't going to kick me out. My dad killed himself. So they were like, we'll just give her a really hard program. And yeah. My mom, I don't, I don't even know what my mom's opinion on all of it was. I don't think my parents cared. They were like, okay, like, whatever. My mom was just bummed that I stole money. Yeah. And then I didn't talk to her for a while. Yeah. Then she's like, what have I spent all this money on? You're still stealing money? You're like, hell yeah. I was like, I'm still trying to pay for my childhood that was lost from your workaholism. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about manipulating. I know. I I love my mom now though I she did great yeah Suki is wonderful unique lady so we got put on work projects for six weeks pulled out of school for our senior year our final truly did not should not have graduated high school because we missed six weeks of school for this like I dug my own grave you had to do really fucked up work projects and then I just had to do like I did chill ones like I worked in the garden and they served you hot chocolate yeah and then Donna the lady that was in charge of the garden really had a soft spot for me so she'd meet me at 7am every morning with like homemade cookies and hot chocolate and she was like you poor girl and I was like I know And then, like, you had to pick up goose poop. You dug your own grave. I think I cleaned a dumpster on the inside. You cleaned a dumpster. (laughs) You got dishes every single night. You had to do mats, which is the grossest thing. I had lunch dishes. Yeah, you had everything. (laughs) I, like, went back and forth between, like, the garden and, like, 
pots and pans. Did you do like admin or something? No, I did pots and pans with Debbie, the kitchen lady, who would like give me like brownie batter. She'd be like, try this and tell me if you like it. And I was like, I love it. (laughs) Like, I just got, I don't know. I think it's because I was so like, I was. They could tell you were genuinely a good person. Yeah. And I was sad about it. And I also, I really fought back too. Cause like they, I'm, they made me cop out, but then they still gave me so much shit and like tried to accuse me of knowing all this shit about other people that I didn't actually know. And then they were like, you need to come clean. And I was like, I don't fucking know shit. Like all I know, or I wouldn't go beyond whatever was in that cop out list. And I was like, all I know is what you now know. And I don't know anything else. And they would be like, we know, you know, and like, you're going to get kicked out of here before you can even blink. And I was like, fuck off. Like, fuck you guys. And like, things got pretty intense, like towards the end. It was a battle for us both to graduate. It was. And then, but we did get to wear black eventually, which is really the highlight of the story. at the end we kind of gamed the system and we like they actually i think they liked us more after we did all those workshop projects they like wanted to to like celebrate us i don't know about that but we got really manipulative with them because they (laughs) because we were like our prom and graduation were coming up and they took away our oh they took away our final home visit oh that's what it was they were (laughs) yeah so you're supposed to be allowed to go home for like nine days at the end of the program and then on that home visit you can do whatever you want you You just make out yeah you can just choose you and your parents decide like what's okay but they told us like we weren't going to get to go and on that home visit you're supposed to get your prom outfit and your graduation dress and you're supposed to be able to go home for like thanksgiving too or something for us because we were in december but then they yeah but then they took away that visit too so they never let us go off campus and shop so then for good reason on my part i know but then i had the brilliant idea where i was like i was like so you know this is actually like you were a pioneer. Yeah. People did not do this yet. No. I was like, and the readers will understand <laughs> because it kind of ties into the wish list. It does. This is full circle. But I was like, so, you know, Jocelyn and I didn't, we became friends again. We were, Jocelyn was <laughs> mad at me for like 24 hours. I'm a softie. I yeah, just and then we like were to friends threaten. again. I was like, sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> we were set free yeah we felt better you felt it was much better to not have that stress like on my shoulders i was i was willing to bury like carry the load Mm -hmm. but i didn't realize how much you did me a favor you did me a favor so i went to the higher-ups and i was like look jocelyn and i are both very sorry and i think that we've been disciplined a lot and we didn't get these home visits and we haven't gotten to pick out any prom or graduation outfits and that's quickly arising it's like a really important moment for each of us and like we need outfits for this like so i have a solution to this problem i'm like if you let us skip sports we skipped something and forum i think or something i was like if you let us skip forums once or twice a week we did it like three times online shopping and i was like let us Go online and shop and we'll get all of our outfits and we'll choose them and like just let us have like these afternoons off. Really it was like we got to skip study hall or something that everyone else had to do, but we got to skip 
I basically worked it out where we got to go online shop for like two hours a day for like three days. With each other or were with we each other? Oh, that was the best part. Yeah, we, they, we went into an office. We each had our parents' credit cards and then we just shopped. And like I said, like, we'll just get, I was like, we're just going to get outfits for one outfit for prom, one outfit for graduation. And then I went and bought a full, like full on wardrobe for myself. I bought outfits for graduation, for prom, for afterwards, for like the after parties, for the day I was going to leave. And literally like 20 boxes of stuff came into school and they were like, you have so many boxes that you ordered. I was like, well, I need it all. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, I have to, it's online. So I don't know if it fits. You, you took away, I was like, you took away my home visit. So what am I supposed to do? Like, and then I just got all these clothes and we gamed the system. It was almost better than going home. I'm glad we got those extra 10 days there now. <laughs> Believe me, you. Yeah. And then we just like would sneak off and with Amina. And even though she rat, everyone f- forgave and forgot pretty quickly there. Well, there's only like 100 people to know. Yeah. So, you don't, so we yeah. would remember we would go and just like sit in a classroom and watch Chicago the musical every <gasps> so single good. night. Sicily. <laughs> Lip shits. <laughs> <laughs> And then you and I got like a Radiohead CD that we'd listened to. We listened to OK Computer like every night too. Or we, we had just a ritual. Try and sing. We would also just try and sing songs that we didn't have CDs to. Yeah. We would like be like a jukebox, like a karaoke with no music in the background. So we got black dresses for our graduation, yes. which was huge and rebellious. Red lipstick. Red lipstick. Oh, I got all this makeup too. <laughs> My mom felt really bad that I was like taken. She felt bad for me that I'd gotten in all this trouble and she came up for an on-campus visit yeah and i sent her she sent me magazines i remember i was like send me magazines vogue harper's bazaar w and and i don't know how i got away with this but i was like i guess it got approved and i circled all the products in the magazine like beauty products that i wanted and then sent her a list of them and then she bought them for me and sent them to me for graduation a hair straightener we really fucking rocked Came it up with that out. The yeah. We had a glow up. Yeah. <laughs> redemption story. So it was pretty chill. Boarding school. And that's like the, just the tip of the iceberg. It's just really. Small story. Wow. What a journey. Now we're here. Now we're here. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Clean. Clean. Not dirty. But Dirty Computer, shout out to Janelle Monet. Janelle, Janelle. No, it's Janelle. Yeah. It's not Janelle. No. Jane Doe? Jane Bond, that's what she says. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty Computer. Okay, let's do some reader mail. Sounds good. Who are these readers, Laura? They're readers of the podcast. They, okay, listeners, and they write in with a lot of thoughts, feelings, emotions, oh my questions, vibes, and then we I read them and then we can respond however we see fit. I love this. I yeah. love the interface. Yeah, so you're going to you're going to enjoy these cuz they get really spirited and they're well written too cuz the readers are smart. Read on. Subject, I can't believe I'm writing this. Hey, Lara, not Ryan. 
love the pod journey that I get to go on almost weekly with you. I've told all my friends to listen, but they're floozers that only like TED Talks and bullshit like that. Anyway, Avi, please keep this super anonymous because I'm mortified at the fact that I'm sharing this with you in hopes that I can help someone with my story. So I went on vacation to Hawaii from East East Canada to my friend's wedding a few years ago, and it was legit still the best trip I've ever been on. I actually cried at the airport when I was leaving, likely causing everyone around me major discomfort. Sorry, getting off track. So while it was the best vacation, it really screwed up my body with the seven-hour jet lag and sharing a room at the Hilton with two intense other girls. I was pretty life poor at the time, so I made sure to buy groceries at the market to save on eating out all week. But joke's on me because it was like $6 for a goddamn box of granola bars. Regardless, I toted all my food around with me everywhere I went so I could snack all day and just eat lightly and drinks at restaurants. So one day after we did a morning excursion to the volcano on the big island, we later decided to do some shopping at the mall and the resort priorities. Anyway, after spending a bunch of time and money, my friends left me while I was on my last store when I felt some travel brew happening. By the way, I hate all sorts of talk like this, but I'm trying to help someone down the road. So I decided I better head back to the hotel so I can take a peaceful and proper brew so I don't have to use awful public washrooms. Okay, so you know it. So I start walking back and my belly is just like not having it. It's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson, bitch. So I'm briskly walking, which eventually turns into a jog. And at this point, the hotel is still about five minutes away, let alone the 10 minutes it would take to get to my actual room. So I run off the sidewalk into a driveway and mortifyingly released my brew into a kind of thorny bush approximately 10 feet from the street at goddamn 3 p.m. while trying not to shit all over my purchases. If you've been to the west side of the Big Island, you know it's essentially all Jesus lava rock. So how this bush was there, I have no idea. But what I do know is that there is essentially no proper fauna to wipe myself with when I was done. So I had to open all of my granola bars and wipe them myself with the wrappers. I don't think I need to explain how horrifying that is. Anyway, moral of the story, don't ever think you're above using a public restroom because the universe will pull you back into your goddamn place within moments. Sorry for the long-ass rambling email. It's a long weekend, and I've had a few martinis by myself while I was watching Big Brother. Thanks for all the lols, and also good luck making your dreams come true with David if you make it to North Carolina. Love, love, love. What's happening David Rudolph is a lawyer that I saw on a Netflix documentary. He's he's an older man. I would say Um, about 65 to 70, but... Silver Fox. He's, yeah, he just ignited a flame within that I didn't know (laughs) was there. I understand that authoritative lawyer... He's so performative. I'll have to show you clips of him. I have to just look at his face. David Rudolph. Google David Rudolph the staircase. He has like a... He's having a talk in North Carolina about his experience with this case in like the documentary because the documentary is built based on like a murder case where he represented the he's not the lawyer from the rajneesh cult is he no he's not part of that documentary david rudolph staircase yeah um and he's having a talk on october 3rd and i'm dying to go to north carolina and just like check it out and connect oh my goodness he's sexy but not this David Rudolph, right? No, you're. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> would be she found with a you. different David Rudolph that's not a sexy David Rudolph. He's more of like that guy from Guess Who. 
Like, this is him just, like, showing people the word murder weapon. It looks like a rod. Oh, yeah, it's a blow poke. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, so I look forward to you and David connecting if it's meant to be. Well, he has a wife and a child, so I doubt. On a professional level. Yeah. But I have a live show on October 2nd, so I don't know if I can, like, get out in time for to, like, make it to his talk. I don't know. We'll see. But... You've been to Hawaii a lot. Mm, Hawaii, it's true. I mean, the whole time I was just thinking about travel brew is always a main subject. Yeah. It's a troll. You have to have one tablespoon of coconut oil for breakfast on your first day of travel to get over the jet lag and to regulate the bowel. Really? Yes. And it will actually, I mean, you hear about this all the time and there's like, like my mom. Okay. She would love this, right? Mm-hmm. My mom is like the worst at traveling. And she's like, I can't go to the bathroom with anyone. How am I ever going to get married again? <laughs> I'm like, you're not, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's okay. Susie. It's okay. Susie. No, people say fine. that she's gorgeous all the time. They um, stop her she's on the, stunning. She's, they stop her on the street. <laughs> Regardless, she can't shit when she's traveling. Suki is actually a numero uno babe. In all if I forms. look that good when I'm 66, don't quote me on her age. That's amazing. Suki is a force to be reckoned with. Always has been. Always will be. But that's when we can talk about that. And she's the one who took me to Hawaii. And later I got to teach her about how to enjoy travel brew. So you you helped her and that worked for her? It's just about her willingness to actually consume (laughs) the coconut oil. Oh, is she like too many calories or is she like cholesterol heart problem it's a healthy fat it's like an avocado but i read a whole article that said it's basically poison last week did you see that bombshell report oh well which kind is poison just coconut oil in general is poison that's what they said i've been using it as my sole purpose for cleaning myself oiling myself for about 10 years yeah and you're you're alive and kicking people say that i look like 10 years younger than i actually am true i'm 14 okay so hot travel brew tip number one one tablespoon coconut oil when you arrive at your destination solid or liquefied okay and then hopefully you can just slip whatever's dealing with you out in the hotel room instead of when you're out and about. Is that just like it lubes up your intestines and then travel is vata vitiating in the Ayurvedic practice. Vata is, mm-hmm. is, in, is ignited. So you want to ground the body with something oily and something cooling oh. after this travel through the air and you're you get all dried out so then so then you need to oil lube you lube and you oil don't need to coffee and like spicy brew blowout you Yikes. need like a you need a full cooling lubing that spicy and coffee combined with travel dehydration is a setup for a sad a anus. bush brew <laughs> <laughs> True. A bush brew in a lava field. <laughs> Ten, a, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from a shopping place. I'm surprised that she was able to. I'm good on you. Yeah, I mean, brave, truly brave. I love, dear Lara. When you mentioned the emerging hashtag Feet2 movement on today's episode, I was inspired to write in and share my story. 
Like you, I have big feet. I wear a size 12 in women's shoes. As you are well aware, it's almost impossible to find shoes in this size. This is a real gnaw for fashion-forward babes who don't want to be caught dead in a pair of Tory Burch Rivas. Normally, I love a gender-neutral men's shoe moment, but when I got into grad school in 2014, I experienced a massive ego inflation that resulted in some manic live-laugh spend on new clothes to go with the new me. I found a really chic pair of leather flats that I wanted to wear on my first day of class to intimidate my cohort and show my professors that I was serious. Problem was, the big, the biggest size they came in was an 11. Whatever, I thought to myself, leather stretches, and enthusiastically handed over my debit card, freshly charged with new student loan money. Fast forward to the first day of school. I decided to add fitness to the th- list of things the new me did, and I walked to class. Turns out campus was a full mile from my house. It was also August and 95 degrees out and the shoes were leather. Obviously, this resulted in a pretty gnarly blister. As someone who lives within a sizest footwear hegemony, I am no stranger to a (laughs) blister troll, but this blister was a true babe. I woke up the next morning and couldn't put any weight on my foot. By Thursday, my whole ankle was swollen and purple. I had to wear Crocs to my first day of internship at a law firm, which did not make the impression I had hoped to make. In a real twist, my grandma died that week, and I had to fly to Florida for the weekend to be with my family. By this time, I was on full round. By this time, I was full on round the clock crying, and not from my dead grandma, from the pain. My mom loves a crisis moment, and when I got off the plane, she drove me straight to a TBD Florida emergency room where they diagnosed me with cellulitis. They had to drain my wound and do an ultrasound on my leg to make sure I didn't have a blood clot. I could have died. Anyways, the whole experience was a disgusting troll, but it all ended up fine because they gave me some Percocets and I got to be stoned for the rest of the weekend. Love and light. Hashtag feet too. Namaste. I've I've done the same thing as both times. One time resulted in not such a troll, but then the second time resulted in a troll. So is this something that happens for those with larger feet? Well, so how big are your feet? You have tiny little... <laughs> You have the tiniest, cutest little feet. This is a six and a half, seven pregnancy. Really push it to a solid seven. And now it's seven forever. Seven and sometimes seven and a half. Okay. See, I recently, I think, experienced a foot growth spurt where I'm now like an 11 and a half. I don't know what, I don't know why. What a beautiful foot though. It's a big foot. But you know what? I'm a big person. No part of me is small. Personality, brain. You have a, sometimes you make this very small face. Though. I have a tiny little head. <laughs> you it's make true. A I have a pin head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you don't experience this because your feet, you, they, everywhere you go, likely it, they have your size in the store. I can compassionately support you. Yeah. And, and listen. With You're an empath. You understand. <laughs> but like. So me, when I go in a store or online and try and search high and low for some sort of shoe that I love, like I have my eye on, chances are they won't make it in my size. They go up to size 10 and then that's it. Every once in a while, I'll find a size 11, which is like a miracle. But then... Now that you've hit 11 and a half. It's now I've hit 11. It's over. like things are just, and I don't really wear heels that much, but there's sometimes that I want to have like a glam foot moment. And there are certain brands that like cater to that. But that being said, I've done this with pairs of leather flats. Like one time I went to Barney's and 
spent like $400 on a pair of flats that didn't fit. But I just crammed my foot into them and was like, we're going to do this. Like, it'll all work out. Binding practice. Yeah. And then I wore them for like a day. And then I was like, there's no way. Like, I can't do this. And I went to Barney's and returned them and they took him. But did you get cellulitis? I did not get cellulitis. I also actually, I never wore them outside. I was just like, I'll wear them in my room and walk back and forth on a carpet until they fit. And then it was like clear that that was never going to happen. Some things you can stretch. Yeah, and that's not one of them. So, and then the next time a friend of mine did a hand-me-down of her Chanel flats that didn't, that were really tight, but kind of fit. And I wore those, but then I trolled myself by, I was going to go meet a friend for a movie and a moth flew out at me and I like, reared back and then lost my footing slipped on the sidewalk and tore a ligament tore a ligament in my ankle that i don't think would have happened if i was wearing proper sized footwear i knew that you didn't like bugs but now that was a wake up why this is what happens when you fear things yeah that was a wake-up call that i need to get my shit together when it comes to bugs and also stop cramming my feet into shoes that don't fit 100 percent so I think I really, this is just like a life lesson for any babes that if the shoe doesn't fit, just quit. <laughs> I love that. Right? <laughs> or just start earthing more. Yeah. Earthing. Shoes, who even needs shoes? Okay, wait, have you heard of... I love an earthing moment. I try and earth to and from my mailbox earth and front too. door. Yeah. But have yet to really go out into the wild on like an earthing spree because I'm afraid of like glass and stray needles. But you wild do you here earth? in LA. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would be afraid. It's not a good earth zone, LA. It's not, but you can come over to my backyard. I have about a fifteen foot by fifteen foot patch of dirt and grass. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some some of the domesticated animals will even fertilize it mm-hmm. for us um and you can just walk around do you earth on there well that my, sounds like another way to get like a ringworm my yeah yeah well we have to keep it clean my baby is just successfully walking as of this week she's earthing 24 7 she's like loving it and watching her tiny toes grasp at the earth it really it's grounding who for needs you? shoes anyway wait okay so have you heard of sun gazing Yes, what aspect of it? Okay, so I read, I got really into sun gazing after a friend of mine had told me about it. And then I was researching it. And it was like sun gazing as a way to like wean yourself off of needing food. Mm -hmm. And the article said, you start sun gazing like right when the sun is rising sun gazing for anorexics yeah it was basically like <laughs> how to be anorexic but in the name of like health and wellness this is yoga yeah so it was like you wake up in the morning you look like when Sunrise. the sun is rising mm-hmm. for 10 seconds and then at sunset right when the sun is setting for 10 seconds then the next day you do the same thing for 20 seconds in 20 you seconds build your stamina. you build until you can do like six minutes or something like that and then once you hit six minutes it said that you need to go earth you need to do earthing for like 
three hours and then your body will be fully activated and aligned and you'll never need to eat food or you're again. fed by the life force energy the prana of the sun yeah thoughts love that i think that um <laughs> there's questionable nutrition options <laughs> and you could be blind at the end of this exercise i think that i'm trying to remember in my yoga training what the sun gazing was exactly used for but i can't remember it's like right energy now. I tried Hike, to do it's it activating its yang energy, its male energy. Yeah, um, hate it, hate hate that. No, no, the empowered yang, okay. the sun that feeds and nourishes our soul, not the sun that uh, rapes and pillages the village. You know okay, what I'm saying? got it, got it, got There's it. There's two suns here. Yeah, could it feed you? Uh, just get some kettle corn. I tried to sun gaze once when I got to the airport early because the sun was rising and I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to just try out this new diet. And it really hurt my eyes. So and then I was like, I don't think I'm going to sun gaze again. I think that you made a good choice. I love having like a holistic expert (laughs) in my realm, in my life, on my podcast, (laughs) via text, via text phone calls, FaceTime. I feel for you, dear reader, with big feet because your troll is even more of a troll than mine. But we're all in the same boat. And honestly, justice for Bigfoot babes indeed. Designers need to make fucking shoes, at least make just like three pairs. People will buy them. Don't they have big and tall for ladies? We No lady wants to buy anything from a store called Big and Tall. Barney's got bite something gucci makes shoes in size 42 which is what size i am but like can i afford that shoe no does the amazon wish list have any shoes that are your size no i did put i'm uh i i'm getting in i've been into sneakers and i haven't put any on the wish list but amazon does have sneakers that i like so maybe i'll throw some on i got my clogs on Amazon? Yes, ma'am. Like Dance go clogs. Okay, here's a here's another one. A very special queef story. <laughs> <laughs> I found Babe by accident in early June. I did a search for Melissa Broder on the podcast app after reading her novel, and I happened to see she was a guest on your show. As much as I love Melissa and her work, I couldn't help but recognize your voice as I was falling in love with you. I immediately babed out when I made the connection that you were the girl from SUP. I love that podcast too. I binged every babe ep available and got all caught up basically the day Ryan announced his departure. Truth be told, I was annoyed by his announcement of leaving. I couldn't figure out why he'd gone the entire summer and why he'd be gone for the entire summer. And I wondered for a second, Jesus Christ, is he filming Big Brother? I was pretty pissed for about an hour, but then I got all say la vie about the whole thing lol at him filming big brother since the podcast has been back i'm completely excited and loving the entire transition i completely already love and appreciate ed and i want him back to co-host with you again very soon his stories about scalping for dead tickets has in his firsthand account of you kissing semi-sexually harassing the girl at the music festival had me lolling my ass off since the topic of queefs came up with the two of you i figured i'd share a story I started going out with my boyfriend about eight months ago and the beginning of the relationship was completely hot and passionate and sexy and we basically were having sex 24-7 in my apartment. Not only is the sex really good, but we're also both very into oral sex, so it's amazing to be 
to finally be with someone who goes down on me regularly and is good at it. He's also very into the butt stuff, but I'm not really. The reason I'm not into it is because I absolutely don't want to have any sort of accident or accidentally fart in front of him. I know for a fact that I accident if I accidentally fart in front of him, he would have no issue with it whatsoever. He isn't a slob or a pig in any way, but sometimes he farts in my presence and he's as gracious as he could possibly be about it. Once my ass slipped out the tiniest little toot while we were talking in bed and he apparently loved it. Why? I don't know. It's great being with someone who is so accepting of bodily functions. Whatever. Just because he's so fine with the whole thing doesn't mean that I'm automatically cured of my phobia of anything bathroom related when it comes to being around a boyfriend. I don't want him to smell the bathroom after I go number two, and I certainly don't want to fart around him. Which brings me to my story. When we were going out for a couple of months, we were having sex doggy style. He finished, but I didn't. So after he pulled out, after he came, I inadvertently in one uncontrollably let out a very loud queef. I despise even typing this. I yelled over my shoulder, please ignore that. He didn't say anything and instead flipped me over and got on his knees to go down on me since I hadn't come yet. And as soon as he got on the ground, I queefed again. He was eye level to my crotch and I swear I queefed in his mouth. I started screaming and sobbing. I was crying so hard. He just held me and asked me repeatedly what the hell was the matter. I screamed. I just queefed in your mouth. Total babe moment. I could not calm down at all. He assured me I didn't and to this day swears I don't, but I know the truth. Oh, he assured me I didn't and to this day swears I didn't, but I know the truth. You also asked about favorite conspiracy theories. A total fave of mine is that Lindsay Lohan and her sister paid escorts to fund their lifestyle. Also, what's this witch's email newsletter that you follow? Please never stop this podcast. I adore you. Love and light. This makes me sad because I don't like, like, I get it. I queef is embarrassing or like uncomfortable to some extent, but it is just part of what happens. But like, I'm glad that you're lolling now and like recognizing that it was like a total babe move because it just makes me sad that it's a human any, experience. It makes me sad that a woman would get so upset about something about like a bodily function, a natural, that, process. A natural process. It's not gross. It's just like an uncomfortable sound, but like, I really do feel like that's a reflection of like the culture being Societal like programming. Yeah. It's like, Women are gross. Queefs are gross. Like Disgusting. You're on your period. Okay, you assholes. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's totally fine to queef. Queef justice. I I farted in my husband's face on our honeymoon when he was going down on me. I I farted once in a face of a guy. Don't quote me on this. And maybe (laughs) don't listen to this. I think I farted as I came and then it just released. But I was like, sorry, I farted. And he was like, yeah, you did. And it was fine. What if Things our, are going to happen. What if our culture was like in celebration? Like if you queefed or farted during sex, that's like you get it like a, a you got a, a direct a deposit. You got a direct deposit of fifteen hundred dollars into your bank. This account. person really released today. Full blown. Yeah. We need to start treating queefing as though there's a reward system involved. And like that's sacred air leaving the body, leaving the yoni. <gasps> Thank you for bringing the yoni into this. I'm the yoni's always in this. And also, well, okay, I have a question. Maybe you know the answer to it. Maybe. If you 
want to lessen your queefing tendencies. Yoni can, flatulence. Yeah, yoni flatulence. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yonaling, like yodeling, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, if you wanted to say to decrease that moment. Queefing. Yeah. Could you do that by, if you wore yoni eggs and just were like clenched all the time, would that that stop? Or is it just like if air gets in, it's going to need to get the fuck out eventually? What I find curious and not surprising is that she was in doggy style. Doggy style is queef central. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I do know that the Amazon Prime has a kegel weightlift that i received after giving birth yeah and that's something where if it's not as if you have a strong engagement with your pelvic floor maybe it's not going to be as apt to capture the air or maybe you're going to get twice as much air because it's so strong that yoni's pulling all of the air i don't know i don't know i think it's just like a journey of acceptance and like the good news is guess what if you're queefing after doggy style it means that you just got pounded the pounded. Fuck out. yeah and like <laughs> i'm jealous actually so and that's a good thing hashtag good thing yeah it's a good thing <laughs> thank you dr fisher um so yeah live laugh queef namaste um let's do one more. Let's see if I can find this is it. quality shit. I know. The readers are the best. I love the, the vulnerability. I mean, the community and the vulnerability. This is like a public shame circle almost. Mm-hmm. I wish that I was anonymous after sharing my shame, but I think I'm willing to pioneer this Yoni flatulence movement. I really, I think Live, Laugh, Queef is essential for well-being and also it's like if your boyfriend doesn't care clearly it's just like a he's a keeper by the way he held you and then pretended like it never happened because he could tell that you were traumatized yeah that's amazing and then you like you flip you queefed in his face which is nbd he doesn't care like guys this just goes to prove that, like good that. guys don't care he probably loved it and then when you flipped out and went into total babe meltdown that included screaming and sobbing, his reaction wasn't to like run the opposite direction. It was like hold and console. So like, that's a good, that's a good guy. This is a teachable moment. This is a teachable moment. Thank you all the readers that wrote in. Thank you, Jocelyn for being my new guest. My pleasure. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for our next app and if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate it five stars, leave a review in iTunes, and I'll appreciate you forever. You can follow Babe Podcast at Babe Podcast and write me reader mail, babepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Jocelyn. You can find me uh, at Panacea Learning on Instagram or at Sacred Roots Holistic Healing. Google it. Yeah, love that. Call up Comcast, get your shit straight, get your Google, get your Google fingers ready and Google it. And we should have some sort of like, because I like your advice, like from a health arc, please. Yeah, let's do health questions. So if you have any health questions that you want to talk to Jocelyn about or care, yoga, massage. Yeah. Any of the above. Ask Yoni Flatulence. 
is okay. Shameless. Yeah. Let's get a dialogue going. I love this. Open it up. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Babe? Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.